Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Chapter 1, we want to continue our study of the doctrines of the Apostolic Church. And uh, I hope that this has been an interesting journey for you. And, and um, even if it is not something you have heard for the first time, maybe multiple times, I, I trust that it underlines something in all of our hearts. The book of Acts chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5. Today we're going to be talking about new birth. I'm glad I've been born again of the water and of the Spirit. I'm going to say again, I have a lot of scriptures, perhaps more uh, than you can keep up with uh, in your Bibles. You're welcome to join me as much as possible, but uh, what you can't find and follow in your, in your Bible will be on the screen. And so let's just make this journey together. The book of Acts chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. I just feel a boldness in the Lord today to tell you that if you don't have the Holy Ghost this morning, you can have it before you leave here. It's a gift. Praise the Lord. You don't have to wait for some formal uh, invitation to the altar. Amen. This is, a, this is a church that believes it's always prayer time. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord today. I believe the key to the book of Acts is found in Acts chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. And if we look at that, here's what we will read. The former treatise, Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. If I could pause here, I would tell you today that it's, there's, there's more responsibility that is placed upon our heart and our lives than just to teach the Word of God. But we've got to do the Word of God. Jesus didn't just come along and talk about things, but he did things. Nor did he just come along and do things without talking about that, but he did things that he taught. And so there needs to be that balance of doing and teaching. And uh, I'll tell you what, I have appreciated the last few services of teaching on uh, various subjects that we have watched the Lord as at the end of each service, we've watched the Lord show up to do something. Amen. After the teaching, there's been some teaching and then some doing. And so we need that. We need to understand that Jesus began both to do and teach. 
until the day in which he was taken up after that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given him commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. The former treatise, that is a detailed written account of a subject. In other words, the book of Acts is a continuation. It's what the implication or the uh, is implied here is that there, the book of Acts is a continuation. It is a continuation of the book of Luke. Luke was the author of the book of Luke, and many, uh, many uh, designate him as the author of the book of Acts. The gospel of Luke, Luke told what Jesus began, as I mentioned a moment ago, to both do and teach. Then the book of Acts tells us what Jesus continues to do through the church by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so these are not just random pieces of a puzzle that have no rhyme or reason or have no counterpart. But all of these scriptures are there to link together to bring the much needed continuity. Amen. I'm thankful for the continuity of the word of God. And, and we need that, not just something here, something there, and something and everything just floating without any rhyme or reason. And so Luke tells what Jesus began to do and teach. And then the book of Acts tells us what Jesus continued to do through the church in his absence physically, but certainly not in his absence spiritually because it, the church was empowered by the spirit of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And so it's important to understand uh, this, po this point. The book of Acts tells us with the empowerment of the Holy Ghost that we can continue to do, even in 2015, we can continue to do and teach what Jesus began in the book of Luke. And so just like Acts is a continuation, so to speak, of the book of Luke, on and on and on, so I believe that the New Testament church uh, that was born in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost uh, was a continuation of that. I believe the churches that uh, were written to in Asia were a continuation of that, and I believe that we are a continuation of that. I mean, the church is as, is as ever much alive today as it has ever been. I heard someone uh, recently, I uh, read someone's, I think, a post recently wanting to know where the miracles from the book of Acts were in the modern day church. My reply to that, I was not, I didn't reply literally, my reply verbally was you need to open your eyes. They are everywhere. All around the world, the spirit and the power and the presence of God. Just a few, just a few, um, just a few weeks ago, I was in a conference where Brother Jack Cunningham was preaching and I, I don't want you to pluck this next comment out of context because he was not saying this in arrogance by any stretch of the imagination. If you know Brother Cunningham, you know that. Brother Cunningham has been very, very involved in the, in the many revivals around the world, but especially the revival in Ethiopia and uh, other, other various parts where in Thailand where the Spirit of the Lord has begun to move uh, on, on many occasions. And we're not talking about fictitious numbers or just made up miraculous events. And Brother Cunningham began to talk about how, and he's not alone, I've heard other men talk about this, but most recently Brother Cunningham began to talk about how that with his own eyes that he has beheld more miracles and signs and wonders that is recorded in the entire book of Acts. Amen. So now think about that. 
So, we, so where are the miracles? The miracles are, are everywhere around us. Amen. The spirit, the power, and the presence of the Lord where God intervenes and moves on our behalf. I'm thankful for the empowerment of the Holy Ghost that continues to touch the church today. And so we're not, uh, you, I, I don't know if this is a good illustration or not, but when I was a little boy, um, my, uh, I had those uh, sets of Hot Wheel cars, Hot Wheels. You know, maybe some of you remember those little Hot Wheels cars and the Hot Wheel tracks. And, and, uh, and as they begin to progress and get uh, better and better and better, those Hot Wheels, if you remember some of you, I'm, I'm leaning on the fact that this is a, an adult class and maybe I'm not out here all by myself. <laughs> but those cars would run through a little, a little electric motor that would shoot them out the end of it and then they just went on, the, they just rolled till they stopped. And so you needed that, that thrust to kind of get them to do the loops and different things of that nature. And so with that little simple, pardon me, I apologize, illustration, in your mind, I don't want you to think that on the day of Pentecost that there was just one single thrust and the church has just been trying to maintain its momentum and we're just kind of going to kind of creep onto a stop. Not whatsoever. Uh, there was not one initial catalyst that sprung the church into action and we're just hoping and hanging and hinging all of our hopes and dreams on one single solitary event that took place in the New Testament church in the book of Acts chapter two. But no, we are talking about, I'm gonna tell you, I think what we felt here Wednesday night. Amen. I think what we felt Wednesday night, I think what we felt last in the experience last Sunday morning was, was just as palatable as what was happening in the upper room. And so the church is not hoping to get by. We're not hoping we can coast until Jesus comes. We've been empowered and we can continue to do that. The Holy Ghost is essential we must understand that. We must be born again of the water and of the spirit. And I say that for many reasons, but this is a dispensation of grace. This is the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. Amen, this is a time. That there's never been a better day than now than to let the spirit of God move upon our heart. Jesus said when Nicodemus came to him by night in John 3 and 5, Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's not what I said, that's what Jesus said. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. And so if we look at and consider our text this morning, Jesus had been crucified, buried, and resurrected on the third day. Remember this, Jesus who lived, died, and rose again, assembled them together, and commanded them this, don't depart from Jerusalem. Just stay there. You just tarry until you are endued with power. He commanded them to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So here is your marching orders. Go to Jerusalem and tarry until you're endued. This was not Jesus commanding his disciples, this, rather this was Jesus commanding his disciples not to depart Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. Power from on high. There is something coming mightier. There's something coming powerful. Amen. So if we move down then to verses eight and nine in the book of Acts one, here's what the scripture says. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall 
be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and in the uttermost part of the earth. I think it's imperative that we understand that the Bible says that he didn't give us power to be witnesses. He said, you're gonna receive power <coughs> and you shall be, and you shall be witnesses. Amen, we're going to obviously have power to be a, witnesses, a witness because we have been dued with this strength of Jesus Christ inside. Verse nine, and when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. The scripture says that the cloud received him. Goes on to say that the angel spoke unto them and said, you men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing? I think I have a pretty good take on that. I think they were sort of blown away. Amen. I don't think the angel was being sarcastic, but the angel had a message. He said, why are you standing here gazing? You can't, you can't hinge your future and your tomorrow on this moment, the last 30 seconds of your life because that that happened is already over with. Amen. But they went on to say, but he is coming again. Amen, he is coming again. And they all continue with one accord. Hallelujah. With the women and the Mary of Mother of Jesus, the result of what went on in that prayer meeting is recorded for us in the second chapter of Acts. Luke 24, verses 49 through 53 also record this marvelous event. Remember John, St. John, who wrote the book of St. John, also wrote the book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, who also wrote, the book of Revelation. In the book of St. John, chapters 14, 15, and 16, it records the last things that were taught by Jesus Christ. He taught them the necessity of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's what I want to underline here today. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can have the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know why you, you, you can have the Holy Ghost? Because you need to have the Holy Ghost. It is a promise. It is a promise. It's a gift not to a select group, not to a handful, not to an elite few, but it is a promise to whosoever will. Amen. He taught them the necessity of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. John 14 and 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that, you may, that he may abide with you forever. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Forever. What a promise. I don't just have to meet him here on Wednesday or meet him here on Sunday. I don't have to go up to a designated house at a designated time. Amen, I, I can lay in my own bed and I can begin to pray and call on the name of the Lord. Amen, he is with me forever. He is with me forever. Mm, hallelujah. In the loneliest season of my life, I have a promise. He is with me forever. Amen, nothing. Paul went on to say later, what can separate us from the love of Christ? And then he gives a long list of things and he reminds us that nothing can separate us. He is with me forever. And so when I feel alone, I have to know he is with me. When I feel deserted and destitute, I have to know that he is with me. He is with me. Hallelujah. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, 
but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. And that day shall, and that, at that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. In essence, Jesus was saying this, in my physical absence, you're going to be given the spirit of the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Amen, it's going to be in spirit form. It's going to live in you. It will be Christ in you. I like this, the hope of glory. Amen, Christ in you, the hope. I'm thankful for the hope. That is God's plan. I see people many times that go from Romans to Jude to try to teach someone else how to get saved. I think you need to understand that when we take somebody and consider every epistle, at the beginning of every epistle that is written, there there is a very important phrase that lets us know who that epistle is written to. And so in Romans, it will say to the saints that are in Rome. Amen. To the Colossians, to the saints that are at Colossae, to the saints in Philippi, to the the saints here in Corinth, to the saints. And so my point is this. Amen. When you you find these letters addressed, they are addressed to a particular body. There are people who are already a part of the church. Amen, they're already a part of what God is doing. And so we can't go there to find out how to get saved. The epistles are written for us to teach us how to stay saved. Amen, we go to the book of Acts. That's where we go. And then if we wanna go, if you wanna have a child, you don't just need to go to a general practitioner's office and show up. Amen, that's where you might wanna take them later. That's maybe where you wanna take your child later to a pediatrician or to a general practitioner but we need to go to the maternity war. We need to go where the birthing table is. We need to go to the book of Acts. There is where the church was born and that's where we need to go to be born. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans to Jude was written to the saints or to the individuals who were already a part of. Romans eight, a letter written to the saints, etc. The promise and the explanation of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about that just a moment. Paul said that the Holy Ghost, the spirit of promise, Paul referred to this Holy Spirit infilling or this experience. Now, I think it's important to note that some people think that, uh, you know, speaking in tongues or receiving the Holy Ghost is a very shallow or trivial thing. And that many times it is to the unlearned or the ignorant that have just yielded themselves over to be able to even have such an experience. But if you really understand what the Holy Ghost is, Paul says that the Holy Ghost is just an earnest. The Holy Ghost is just a down payment. It is the earnest of our inheritance. It is just a small portion of what what is to come until our redemption, the earnest, the Holy Ghost, the down payment, if you want to purchase something, you've got to put, you know, we, we don't use the terminology a lot today, but years ago, we would say we're going to put down some earnest money. I mean, we're going to put down a down payment is what we refer to it. If you're serious about making a purchase and you don't want that item to be sold, we put some earnest down. We put, it's not the full price, but we're just going to, here's $500 against Here's $500 against $2,500. I want you to know that I'm serious. I want you to understand that this is the earnest of something that's coming. Until our redemption, it is given as a guarantee that the remainder is gonna be coming in due time. 
Hallelujah. And so when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Paul is saying that's just the tip of the iceberg of what we're gonna experience when we get to heaven. Amen. We can't even, we can't even comprehend heaven. We can relate to the presence of the Lord here in this earth, but we have the presence of the Lord in contrast to everything else that's going on in our lives. And so we can't think about the presence and the power of God without any pain, without any peril, without any tear, without any heartache, right? Even though we feel good in the Holy Ghost today, we, have, we're, we haven't got amnesia about the other issues that we gotta deal with in our life, maybe just as soon as this service is over. You, you may have a situation waiting on you at home that you're aware of, may have something that you're unaware of. But while we're here, we're gonna enjoy the power, the presence of the Holy Ghost. This is the earnest of our inheritance, that down payment of something which is to come. And so every time we overcome sin, every time we overcome Satan, the world, or the flesh, Amen, that just gives us a foretaste, just a sample of the power of the world that is to come, heaven and eternal glory. The Holy Ghost is power to live an overcoming life. I heard one preacher many years ago say, if you're not overcoming, you're undergoing. Amen, so we need to be overcoming. Amen, I, I wanna be overcoming. I wanna overcome something, not always, not always undergoing something in my life. I wanna have an overcoming life. Also, the Holy Ghost is revelation. The Holy Ghost is not given to us just to make us feel better, make us good worshipers. The Holy Ghost isn't given to us just so that we can kind of get lost in him in prayer. The Holy Ghost is all a part of that, but the Holy Ghost is also revelation. The Holy Spirit that is inside us will search out the deep things of God. Yes, it will. Amen, the Spirit of God. I'm preaching to people this morning that have been led by the Spirit that the Holy Ghost begin to deal with your heart, begin to open your eyes to see things. Amen. I pray often, Lord, as I read your Bible today, I wanna just read with eyes of revelation. I wanna read with a heart of understanding. I don't want just read this and then five minutes later I can't even remember where I was reading but I wanna plant this seed in my heart. I wanna be able to retain it. I wanna be able to commit it to my memory. Is this all right? And then like Paul said to Timothy, he said, I want you to commit this into the hearts of others. Don't just get this for yourself but pass this on, share this everywhere you go. Don't be a treasure trove of, uh, and a wealth of revelation and then keep it to yourself. Don't be a tre treasure trove of knowledge about the things of God and then keep it to yourself. And then one day we bury all of that knowledge in a, in a dusty grave. But I say let's share it. Amen, let's, let's get it inside us, the Spirit of God, and let the Spirit of God open our eyes to the revelation of his word, underline and underscore things in our heart perhaps that are already there. So we need to stay full of the Holy Ghost. That's why, because I want the Spirit of the Lord to be able to search out some deep things. I want the Lord to reveal some things, amen. I'm telling you, I've heard men and women teach from the Word of God and my eyes were open and I was just like, wow, wow. I mean, the, the, nothing but the Spirit could reveal that. The Spirit, I'm not talking about goofy, off the wall stuff, but I'm talking about the depth of the scripture. And amen, we need the Holy Ghost to enlighten our eyes to help us to see the truth of the word of God. The Holy Spirit searches out the deep things of God. Amen, deep calleth to deep. The Spirit is so important. It was so important that long before the day of Pentecost, 
This promise was, was promised, this experience rather was promised by Old Testament prophets. Joel 2 and 28 and 29, very familiar passage. But you got to remember, sometimes we shout about Joel like it happened yesterday. Or we shout about Joel like it happened the Tuesday before the day of Pentecost. No, no, no. Amen. We had to realize that this was a, a, a minor prophet that felt and was moved on by the Spirit of God. A prophet that was moved on by the Spirit of God touched his tongue, touched with a brand from off the coal of the altar. And Joel began to prophesy. Amen. He, he threw something out into the future that was sustainable. Hallelujah. It was sustainable because it was the anointed word of God. Hallelujah. I didn't take the time to figure out how long it was between when Joel, when Joel said this and, and Acts chapter two, between Joel two and Acts chapter two, but I'm gonna tell you that that word traveled a long way. 800, 800 years. <laughs> I should have looked at my numbers, guy. Amen. 800 years. 800 years. 400 of those years were dark years and silent years. Amen. 400 of the 800, those words were, were seemingly lost to all men everywhere. But you know what? It wasn't lost to God. Thank you for knowing that. Amen. Because he, he, he uttered that under the unction and the inspiration, the power of the Holy Ghost. And so what left the lips of Joel and seemingly went into oblivion was just hovering and waiting for the right moment for the apostle Paul, Peter, to grab them and pull them back down into the New Testament. Hallelujah. My God, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and also upon my servants and upon my handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Amen, this power is coming and it's not just coming to a, a group of elite high priests, amen, but the power is gonna be poured out into the heart, into the laps, into the mind, into the lives, into the lips of common men and women, sons and daughters, your old men, amen, they're gonna be touched, they're gonna be moved upon, servants and handmaidens, the spirit of God is going to move. When Peter referred to this prophecy in Acts 2, he identified the afterward, amen, he identified, amen, he gave definition to the word afterward of what Joel was saying, it shall come to pass afterward, amen, Simon Peter was saying it's afterward, it is right now, it is right now, he defined afterward of Joel. It's also important for us to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Don't just try to get enough here this morning to last till Wednesday. Don't just try to get enough to last till next Sunday. Don't try to get enough to just get you through the next situation. Amen, you gotta stay full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost. And I'm gonna tell you how you can figure out whether or not you're full of the Holy Ghost. You know, sometimes when my wife and I are just kind of, kind of <clears throat> maxed out, our schedule's heavy and the, the days are long, the nights are short, we find ourselves saying things like this around the house. We'll say, you know, if we could just, let's see, we're looking at our schedule with it. If we can just make it till Monday. <laughs> yeah. I said, no, no, Susan, no, no Monday. Remember, you got that appointment here? I said, okay, okay. And then we just do, okay, if we could just make it till Thursday. Now, that's a sad way to live. And I'm not saying that we live that way all the time. I'm just talking about there are seasons of our lives that you're just kind of, 
you just kind of think if I could just hang on to there, then I can wipe my brow and catch my breath. And we don't need to live for God like that. If I could just make it to Wednesday, or if I could just, I just, if I could just make it to Kent meeting, if I could just, if I could just make it to men's conference in a pop if I could just make it to prayer conference in November, if I could just make it over here to district conference, if I could just make it over here to, are you with me now? Amen. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Jesus said, Amen. This is how important it is. He said, I can't go away. Amen, it can't come, the Holy Ghost can't come until I go away. And so I, I'm going to leave so that it can come. Amen, I, anything that's powerful enough to make the Lord leave here, this is the food for thought. Amen, I wanna get it right that it's, if it's here for me. Amen, John 16 and seven says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Amen, but if I depart, Jesus said, I gotta move out of here. There were those that were saying, please don't leave us. There were those that were saying, oh, we're gonna miss you. There were those that were saying, I don't even know how long we're, or how we're gonna be able to get by with you without you. But he was saying, you don't get it. I have to leave because if I don't leave, the comforter won't come and you gotta have the Holy Ghost. That's what's gonna sustain you. That's what's gonna keep you. Another translation says this, it is good for you that I go away. Some people ask what's more important, the actual physical presence of Jesus or the spirit of Jesus? I think Jesus answers that by saying it's good that I go away. Because we think, boy, if Jesus is right here, the signs would be right here, the miracles would be right here, the wonders would be right here. But Jesus said this power can be in you. This power can be in you. He said the baptism of the Holy Ghost is more important than me being in your presence right here. Amen, because you be, just being able to reach out and touch me is one thing, but I need to be in you. And so I gotta depart, and I gotta depart. But then Jesus said, but I'm going to send something back to you that is better than me standing beside you. I'm gonna send something back to you that's better than me sitting in the same room with you. I'm gonna give something back to you that's gonna be better than me taking a dead man by the hand and raising him up or spitting in a blind man's eyes or opening a deaf man's ear. I'm gonna give you something that's gonna be inside of you. He said, I am gonna dwell in your mortal body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> hallelujah. I wanna say something here and I'm not seeking sympathy by any stretch of the imagination, but I just wanna say something for understanding. And my wife can attribute this to being true. Other ministers that are sitting on this platform, I'm confident would admit this, but I'm telling you there are times after the anointing of the Lord has moved upon me and the preaching and the teaching of a service that when I get home, I am completely spent. I mean completely spent. My body is, you know, I've heard people try to figure out the, the, the race shows of how long one hour preaches equal this and that, and I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about how when the Spirit of the Lord begins to move on you, he said you're gonna be endued with power, but that power is coming to a mortal body. Amen, there's sometimes, I, I felt Wednesday night, I just felt Wednesday night, I just felt the power and the presence of God. I admitted that I didn't even know what to do. I didn't even know where to turn. My mind couldn't figure out the next step. Hallelujah. But when I went home and that presence lifted, this body felt mortal. This body felt spent. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to tell you is this, that we have the power of God that is in us, in our mortal bodies, in our frail bodies, in our finite mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And so I say this morning, if somebody needs prayer, don't give them a business card of mine. If somebody needs prayer, don't give them a church business card and say, we'll have somebody come and see you. Woo! If somebody needs prayer, we need to roll up our sleeves and lay hands on them in the only name that can change their life anyway. You've been endued with power from on high, Sister Baggett. We've been endued with power from on high. It's not me praying. It's not me. It's not my strength. It's not my energy. But it is the power of God. Woo, hallelujah. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, you need to be full of the Holy Ghost. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. We need to be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. We are in a spiritual battle. I'm coming back to spiritual warfare for just a moment. And so we need to be full of the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna tell you that the devil is not intimidated by carnal saints. The devil's not intimidated by on the fence saints. Because he knows what you were doing last night. He knows what you were watching last night. He knows where you were Friday night. He he knows what you've been participating in. He knows what fire you've been warming your hands over. There was a group of men that went to lay hands on somebody and cast the devil out of them and they regret that day. (laughs) Because they got spanked and sent home. Amen, they got shamed and sent home. And so that's why we need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I feel to say this this morning. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. In every situation, we live in an evil world. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. We need to be so full of the Holy Ghost. Amen, that, that, that nothing else can get in us. Amen. I know every time before we walk into a jail or a prison, we have prayer in, in the van. We have prayer, but you know what? That little... That little 30-second prayer, I'm not minimizing this, but that little one-minute or two- or three-minute prayer in the van is not sufficient. That's why these men don't just pray in the van. I hope. You better be full of the Holy Ghost when you're walking into all kinds of spirits of evil and spirits of, uh, of divination. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. The devil needs to know when they unlock the door and the church walks in there. Amen. The power of God needs to be evident, evident, evident. So hear me. We need to be full, full, full of the Holy Ghost. Not enough room. Not enough room for anything else to move in. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you that the jailhouse is not the only place evil is. Evil is, amen, probably closer outside these doors than we even imagined. So we gotta be full, full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus went on to say that the Holy Ghost could come. And so when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he has something one step further than just believing that he is a savior. He said, when you believe, he said, I'm going to baptize you with something that's going to endue you. The word endue there means empower you. In fact, He spoke of the Holy Ghost as being rivers of living water. Acts is called a gift, and even Jesus called it a gift in the book of Luke 11 and 13. So when the apostles laid their hands on the Samaritan converts of Acts 8, they received the Holy Ghost without a tongue-talking class. We don't believe in that. Amen, without anybody coaxing them. 
Amen. When you're praying with people, we need to have the spirit of discernment when we're praying. When you're, when you're down praying for people, we need to have the spirit of discernment. Amen. We're not massage therapists. <laughs> I know some people believe in, uh, in acupuncture and that's all right, but sometimes I think the, an altar service is just a punching match, not acupuncture, just come on, just come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And, and, and you know what? Saying Jesus, 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 faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster, louder and louder and louder and louder. That won't get the job done. We just need to let the Holy Ghost move. I'm gonna tell you, if children can receive the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues, anybody can. Right, right. They don't know anything. They don't know anything better, anything different, so to speak. And so as they were praying, the Holy Ghost fell on them fell on them. And I know it's exciting. It gets, it's hard to not be excited when you're praying for people and you see the victory of the Holy Ghost. And I think the exuberance of those that are praying with people lend to that, help people not to be fearful and things of that nature. But we don't need to, I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, your silence right there makes me wonder now. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost can fall during the preaching. Now when the apostles were at the Jerusalem, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the, the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they that were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Amen, I've laid hands on people and they received the Holy Ghost when I laid hands on them. Amen, it was just an act of faith. It was an absolute act of faith. Um, it's impossible after 26 plus years not to tell sometimes the same stories and I'm not telling them because I've, I've got dementia. I'm telling them because I think they're fitting. But I was preaching in a service one night and I was walking down the aisle and there was a young man, a, a middle-aged man should say, sitting on the third row, kind of between Brother Chris and Brother Everett there. And so when I walked past him, I noticed in that revival, every night he'd been in the altar praying for the Holy Ghost. And so when I walked past him that night, I was just preaching, and I put my hand on his shoulder. When I put my hand on his shoulder, just the Holy Ghost prompted me. His name was Don Moses, and I said, Don, you're gonna get the Holy Ghost tonight. And I mean, the whole, it was just, I mean, instead of everybody going, I mean, the whole, it just went cold. I couldn't figure out what in the world. It's like I touched the golden calf or something. I don't know what. It, <laughs> it was just like this. <gasps> and I kept preaching. I kept preaching. And, and finally we gave the altar service. And Don came down to the altar just like he did. And, and uh, people gathered around him. And, and so I, I, I stood up on the platform. He was there. And I went to lay hands on him. And I promised this happened. When I went to lay hands on him, as my hand was doing this, a spirit of doubt came over me. This is not going to happen. I mean, it's amazing how fast the enemy can get in your head. And I, I mean, I just stopped. I just stopped. And I just stood right there and I just started rebuking the spirit of doubt. And I started rebuking that spirit that was coming against me. And nobody knew that. Nobody knew what was going on. I was just praying this. Amen. And when I felt like I had gained victory over that, I laid my hands on Don Moses' head and he began to speak in tongues. And when he did, they almost tore that building down. 
I found out after church that Don had been seeking for the Holy Ghost for 20 years. For 20 years. Amen. So no wonder everybody was been. Would you hurry up with this message? We want to see this. <laughs> hurry up and just discharge whatever little thought you got there because we want to hang around. We want to hang around and see this. Amen. I'm talking about when you lay hands on somebody, the power of God can move. God doesn't always move that way. I've laid my hands on a lot of people that didn't receive the Holy Ghost or didn't receive their healing, but receiving is a distinct, deliberate act on the part of the recipient. And so you can't give somebody the Holy Ghost. You can't heal somebody. Amen. You can't do any of the above. There has to be a spirit of receptivity. Amen. It goes both ways. And so I don't know what about that night, that moment. I don't know if, if somehow the Lord spoke something into Don Moses' heart that allowed his faith to come to another level that it had not come to in two decades, but something happened. I think it was equally as much God, amen, as it was him. It was equally because you, if you're gonna receive it, you gotta be a receiver, amen. And so although the Holy Ghost is a gift, we're not benefited by that until we receive it. It's been appropriated. It's already there. It is for you. I've, uh, I've uh, alone teaching these lines. I've shared this a lot of times and I look to make these, sure these statistics were, were still relevant before I brought them again today. But do you know that, <clears throat> that in our world, that all around us, as a matter of fact, if we just hone it down to the state of Florida, that there are fortunes that people have never received because... Uh, they don't know that they're the recipient. They have no idea. They have no idea in the state of Florida alone, current figures, currently the chief financial officer holds unclaimed property accounts valued at more than $1 billion. Amen, this is comprised of many things, dormant accounts and financial institutions or insurance and utility companies or security and trust holdings. In addition, uh, it, it could be money or securities, unclaimed property, uh, includes tangible property such as watches and jewelry and coins and currency and stamps and all kinds of historical items and other miscellaneous articles from abandoned safety deposit, safe deposit boxes. So all of this stuff is there. You can't hardly wait for church to get over, can you? <laughs> Somebody reach back there and turn the Wi-Fi off. People are gonna be Googling in church trying to figure out if you're, if you're among that group, that elite group. <laughs> can you imagine, can you imagine that, that you had hot dogs yesterday on stale buns. <laughs> and, there, and there is an account in Tallahassee with your name on it. <laughs> Nobody leave the building. <laughs> I don't care what happens. It ain't that serious. Don't leave the building. Ushers, keep your eye on them. Lock the doors. Amen. Unclaimed treasure, unclaimed treasure. But you know what? That doesn't even compare to the Spirit of God that wants to fill us right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know there's some unclaimed property in this building today? <laughs> to think that yesterday and this morning you woke up struggling in your heart and you didn't know which way to go or where to turn and today you found out, amen, that there is a safe deposit box with your name on it and it holds the treasure of heaven and earth. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is a gift, that is a gift. Amen, the value, the worth of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a gift, but you'll never get it until you open yourself to it. The Holy Spirit in another place is also referred to as the pouring out, the pouring out. I'm gonna try to hasten here. Amen. And it shall come to pass in the last days, Acts 2 and 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is referred to as the pouring out, the pouring out. Amen. I'm gonna pour out my spirit upon all flesh, which was a quote from Joel. Acts 2 and 33 talks about the spirit being shed forth, therefore being uh, by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this. Acts 10 and 45 talks about the Holy Ghost being poured out. Amen, being poured out because the Gentiles, it was poured out. Amen, the Holy Ghost was poured out. Amen, they of circumcision, which believe were astonished. They were amazed as many that came with Peter because that on the Gentiles was poured out, amen, poured out the Holy Ghost. Why, the reason I'm doing all this today, the reason I'm underlining these phrases, amen, the pouring out of the Spirit, amen, the shedding forth of the Spirit, or again, the, board, the Spirit being poured out, is I'm trying to make this point, is that you don't just have to get a thimble full, you don't just have to try to get a cup full, you don't just try to, try to feel that and hope this will be enough, oh, I hope hope that's enough to sustain me. No, no, no. He's, I'm gonna pour it out. I'm gonna pour it out. I don't want Jenny to get mad at me here. I'm gonna pour out the Spirit. Amen, I'm gonna pour out the Spirit. I'm gonna pour it out. Amen, I'm gonna pour it out. What I'm trying to tell you today is that we don't have to walk away from here with a sprinkling of the Holy Ghost. Amen, we don't have to walk away from here with a mist of the Holy Ghost or a fog of the Holy Ghost, but we can leave here saturated to be poured out. He wants to pour it out. He spoke of the Holy Ghost as it fell. Amen, the rain falls from the sky. Amen, the apostles prayed that the Samaritan is in Acts 8 and also in Acts 10 and when they prayed the Holy Ghost fell. I'm gonna tell you I believe the Holy Ghost is here in this house today. He has fallen upon us. If you want it, you can receive it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, let it fall on you. In another word, he said it would come. Amen, Acts 19 and six, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The expression is again used in John 15 and 26, that the Spirit just came upon them. I want you to understand that the, that the, that the Lord is not trying to slip in here under the seal of the door. He's not trying to crawl around the cracks of the windows, but he wants to pour out. He wants to spring forth. He wants to rain down. He wants to be in our presence here this morning. Hallelujah, amen, but you must want it more than you want anything else. Because I've seen people in an atmosphere that was as energized and as charged as this atmosphere is this morning, I've watched them by the scores come in and walk out unchanged because something else held, held more priority in their life. Amen, the Bible mandates that Jesus Christ commanded that the disciples tarry in Jerusalem till they were endued, endowed, empowered, amen, with something from on high. Peter said, repent and ye shall, and ye shall. Acts 8 and 12, and when they believe, 
Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also when he was baptized, continued with Philip and wondered and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. When they believed and were baptized and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Amen, I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost, aren't you? Some people believe that when, some people, some people believe this, and let me test this before we, before we move. Some people believe that when you just simply believe on the name of the Lord that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Some people think that at that moment of believing that you receive the baptism of the Spirit. However, these were, were baptized in Jesus' name according to the scripture that I just read but still had not received. So apparently they believed or they would have never been baptized. They were even baptized but had not received the Holy Ghost. Think about this. When Simon saw them, what did Simon see? He saw something because he saw it and wanted to buy it. Amen. They didn't get the Holy Ghost until the apostles laid their hands. There was something that happened. There was something that moved in their midst. Amen. And they laid hands on them. Now, in closing, how did, how did they know they got the Holy Ghost? And it's important that we touch this before we leave. Acts 2 and 6. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and, and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Acts 10 and 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of circumcision which believed were astonished. I read this a moment ago. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And so here's my point. In Acts 2, if you begin in Acts 2 and you make your way all the way through Acts 10, which is a record of those that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they all spoke with tongues. They all spoke with tongues as evidence that they received the Holy Ghost. I will say one more time, one of the things that I think is just so marvelous and magnificent about the Lord is he thinks of everything. James said, there's only one thing that can't be tamed in this world. You can steer a ship with a rudder. You can guide the strength of a horse with a bridle and a bit. But a tongue, no man can tame. And I think it's just so neat, if you'll just pardon my contemporary reference there. I think it's just so neat that the Lord said, I'm gonna take that. No man can tame this. And I'm gonna let that unruly member be evidence that I have come to reside in a heart, amen. They spoke with tongues, they spoke with tongues. We're gonna to be talking about tongues and the gift of tongues later on, amen. This tongue we're talking about, amen, is just an evidence, an initial evidence of the Holy Ghost, somebody receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's gonna be fruit that will follow that. There's gonna be evidence in a person's life, 
Amen. We're not going to just walk around speaking in tongues every day. Nobody can understand what you're talking about. We're not just going to come church to church and just everybody speak with tongues and, and, and no intelligent conversation being going on. We're going to talk about tongues later on as we study this. But they all spoke with tongues. Amen. As evidence. Acts 19, 1 and 6. I know I'm repeating myself, but just be patient. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. And then Paul and John verily baptized. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Amen. When they heard this, when they heard this, you see, I think they didn't just hear it with their ears, but they opened their spirit to this experience. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. The sign of the Holy Ghost is speaking with other tongues. Amen. And uh, it will happen. You know, and I say this very respectfully, but the old timers, they had a unique way of putting a lot of things. They just kind of put it in a little shirt sleeve language everybody could grab. <laughs> And so they, I grew up hearing preachers say the, the Holy Ghost is like buying a pair of shoes. They all come with tongues. Amen. So when you get the Holy Ghost, you will speak with tongues. That's not something we should be ashamed of. Don't worry about what it's going to sound like. Don't worry about what others are going to think. Amen. We're going to be born into the kingdom of God. I'm thankful to be born again, aren't you? Praise God of the water and of the spirit. May the Lord bless you. Let's stand together. I wonder if we could just lift our hands across this auditorium and if we could just ask God to seal this word of hope and word of truth in our heart and lives here today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.